Welcome to Practical Knowledge. Today's episode is what I call a Minjin. Each Minjin is a mini episode of Practical Knowledge that covers a general topic that I find interesting or honestly, just something I've always been curious about. I'll also be covering listener suggestions. If there's something you've always wanted to know more about, you can message me your suggestions on Twitter. I'm at at DHH2ENT or email me at info at DHH2.com. Links to both of those are going to be listed in the show description. Unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure that you've been hearing the word caucus thrown around a lot lately. In this Minjin episode, we're going to get down to the bottom of what a caucus is and why the one in Iowa is such a big deal. Now, just like you, I've always had a basic understanding of what a caucus is, but I've never really researched it to get a complete understanding. One thing that I know is for sure, I never, ever understood why the Iowa caucus was such a big deal. I mean, come on, it's Iowa. When I think of influencers and trendsetters, I immediately think to the Midwest, don't you? You don't? Come to think of it, I don't either. So what's the big deal with Iowa? Let's dig into it and find out. The word caucus can be used as a noun or a verb. The noun form means exactly what you think it does. It's not hard to figure it out when you hear it used in a sentence and you're given some context to work with. According to my pals Miriam Webster, a caucus is a closed meeting of a group of persons belonging to the same political party or faction, usually to select candidates or to decide on policy. They also tell us that the verb form of the caucus means, get ready for this, to meet in or hold a caucus really stimulating stuff. Now that we have that all cleared up and we all agree on what a caucus is, let's find out why the Iowa caucus is such a big deal. First, let me tell you exactly how the Iowa caucus works. Now, they don't just pile a bunch of Iowans into a cage and the last man standing gets to pick who will get the support of the entire state and a big leg up on the competition in the race to the Oval Office. It's much more organized and civil than that. And not everyone gets to caucus. To get to caucus, you have to be eligible to vote in the state of Iowa. That means you're 18 years old by the date of the presidential election, and you have to be registered as a Democrat or a Republican. Although the caucuses for both parties is is held on the same day, the parties caucus very differently. Both parties show up to one of over 1,600 precincts to vote, but that's about all the two processes have in common. The Republican Party caucus goers, they show up, cast a ballot, and go home. The votes are counted by the caucus chair and the winners then announced. The Democratic Party caucus goers do it a little differently. After showing up to their prospective precinct, caucus goers divide into groups based on their preferred candidate. Participants can also move to an uncommitted group. Now, this whole grouping up is called aligning. Now, there's only 30 minutes allowed for this aligning. During this time, people will walk around the room and try to convince others to support their chosen candidate. Now, at the end of those 30 minutes, a count is taken. When the count is over, a candidate has got to have at least 15% of the total vote to be considered viable. If a group for a candidate is under 15%, those members have two options. Group members can abandon their group to support a different candidate, or they can try to recruit other individuals from other groups to join them. After all the realigning is done, and all the candidates represented have over 15% of the total vote, Each group then elects its delegates and alternates from within the group. Now that we know how the Iowa caucus works, let's discuss a little of the history why they do it this way. Iowa's been holding caucuses since the early days of being a state. Now back in those days, they weren't organized or run very well, and they were easy to mess with. The people selected in these caucuses weren't always representatives that were actually selected by the people and the voters. To put it mildly, corruption was running rampant. 
And in an attempt to correct this, Iowa gave up on the caucuses in the early 20th century, and they embraced this crazy new fad that was sweeping the nation. And of course, I'm referring to the fad of swallowing goldfish. The year was 1939, and a young Harvard freshman swallowed a goldfish on a bet. The act received plenty of media coverage, and before you know it, people all over the nation were gulping down small fish. In every caucus in Iowa, the delegate that was able to put away the most goldfish would receive the nomination. That's ridiculous. Iowa didn't start making politicians start swallowing live fish to fix a broken electoral process. Now, although swallowing goldfish was a very real fad, it wouldn't come about till years later. No, the new fad that they embraced was holding primary elections. They wanted to take the deciding power out of the small, easily corruptible caucuses and hold organized presidential primaries for one year. It lasted for one whole year. They attempted this primary in 1916. It was wildly expensive and less than one-third of Iowans showed up to vote. This was not the solution that Iowa wanted. Instead of going back to the drawing board, Iowa went back to old reliable. Caucuses returned, and things pretty much returned to the way they were before the failed primary attempt. Corruption was very much alive again, and things stayed that way until 1968. In 1968, the Democratic Party had a very chaotic primary season. The result was the nomination of a candidate that didn't even run in the primaries. Now, this forced the Democratic Party to try to overhaul their process once again. And as Time Magazine put it, they wanted to reduce backroom manipulation by bosses broaden grassroots participation, and produce delegations that more adequately represented the women, blacks, and the young, and the preferences of the actual voters. That meant that there had to be another major overhaul again. There had to be a stop of party officials meeting privately to pick their delegates to the National Party Convention. The revised Democratic rules coming out of the 68 debacle required that notice be given of caucuses and primaries that would select party delegates. Now, prior to that, party bosses could schedule primaries without telling anyone, but the new rules required a 30-day notice. New caucus scheduling requirements meant that the Iowa caucus state in 1972 would be the first delegate-selecting conference in the country. Because of this, the presidential candidates actively campaigned in that state. Now, this was a huge story, and naturally, the media came too. That first caucus was a cold, snowy, dreary day. Time Magazine estimated that over 45,000 of the state's Democrats showed up in the snow to vote. The Iowa caucus was alive and kicking again. In 1976, when both parties held their caucus there, the entire world was watching Iowa. Time Magazine had this to say about the Iowa caucus. As the curtain raised on the nominating process, the Iowa precinct caucuses stood to give one candidate a publicity bonanza and a jump on his rivals. In 1976, Iowa gave that support to the Georgia governor, Jimmy Carter, and he went on to win the presidency. The caucus is very important to the residents of Iowa. The website, catchdemoines.com, sums up their attitude very well. It states, every four years since 1972, Iowa's first in the nation caucuses have helped hire the president of the United States. In fact, every U.S. president since Jimmy Carter has finished among the top three in the Iowa caucuses, except when Iowa's own Tom Harkin ran in 1992. Iowans take the responsibility and the privilege of being first very seriously. They're engaged and informed. They ask tough questions that force candidates to address a spectrum of issues. Activists in Iowa often raise topics and policy positions that are also important to voters around the nation. So why is Iowa such an important primary election? 
What is the one thing that Americans do best? That's right, we win. America loves a winner. We're drawn to a winner, and Iowa presents us with a winner. What else do Americans love? We love a celebrity. The person who wins the primary election in Iowa, they receive millions and millions of dollars of free publicity from every news outlet in the country, and they immediately become one of, if not the biggest celebrity on the planet. What's another thing that we love? We love the security of being in a herd of like-minded people, especially if that crowd happens to be a group of people who are rallying around a winner. We all have, at one time or another, fallen victim to herd mentality. Have you ever known someone who's a bandwagon jumper? A lot of people jump on the bandwagon of the Iowa winner. What is one thing that Americans hate? Americans hate researching politics and politicians. It's just so boring, am I right? It's, it is boring. It is, but it's a necessary evil. Unfortunately, not all of us do our own work. The residents of Iowa do a really great job of doing the hard work, so a lot of us just copy off of them. It's just like sitting next to the smart kid in algebra class. You know what I'm talking about. Now we can answer the question, why is Iowa such an important primary election? If you take the engaged and informed residents of Iowa, add an overabundance of media coverage for the winner, and then multiply that by a nation filled with people who are predisposed to succumbing to herd mentality, you can see why there's so much importance given to the Iowa caucus. Iowa picks a winner. The rest of the nation, we want to back a winner and be part of a winning team. You know, so we just follow the herd. Iowa's leading the herd, and a lot of people just jump on that bandwagon. So there you have it. Now we know for sure what a caucus is. We know the history of the Iowa caucus. We know how they caucus. And we know why the Iowa caucus is such a big deal. That's going to wrap it up for this Practical Knowledge Men, Jen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Now, if you enjoy the show, please use the links provided in the show description to subscribe to our YouTube channel and this podcast. Your subscriptions, shares, and five-star reviews help this show out tremendously. Thank you guys for listening, and don't forget to send in your practical knowledge topic ideas to me on Twitter at DHH2ENT or email me at info at DHH2.com. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next time. Today's episode is brought to you by DHH2 Enterprises. If you like free gifts and feeling great, then you have to go to dhh2.com shop now to get your free gift, an ebook preview of Adventure Walks and Monkey Talks. Adventure Walks and Monkey Talks is an encouraging book about life, learning, happiness, and love. Go to dhh2.com shop now right now to get your free gift.